This week uh, is Valentine's Day, uh, or Valentine's Day is this week, I should say. And so many people will purchase things, all of which are intended to do one thing, which is to communicate, right? Whether it's chocolates or cards or a nice meal or jewelry or, in, the case, in my case, uh, Tamiflu and Gatorade, uh, it's all meant to communicate love and appreciation and gratitude. I mean, some of us might even talk to each other, right? Communicate that way. Uh, and all of this communication is, is leading somewhere, right? It's not simply about uh, transferring information, but the goal of it all is increased intimacy, closeness, right? That's, that's the aim of whatever form of communication uh, you're, you're choosing in any relationship, right? A spouse or a friend, um, intimacy, closeness, that's the, the goal of communication. Well, uh, this morning we're continuing through the New City Catechism, as we've been doing for a while now, and we're looking at prayer, which is communication with God. And even saying that, even saying that we get to communicate with God is kind of an incredible thing to ponder, just to sort of stop and say, what, what an amazing gift that the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, longs to communicate with us, listens to us. Who are we? Similar to our human relationships, the, the, the goal of this communication is, is not simply the transfer of information, right? But it's a growth in intimacy, a growth in closeness. And so, uh, so the catechism asks, what is prayer? And together we'll respond, prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Yes. Pouring out our hearts to God. Is that how you would describe your prayers? Psalms, uh, the Psalms, the whole book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms there. Uh, and I have a friend who describes the Psalms as 150 things that we get to say to God. And in the course of the Psalms, uh, we encounter every kind of emotion, every possible human experience and human emotion, from anger to joy to grief to delight, questions confusion, bitterness, hope, right? All of these things are, are, are ways that we are given the freedom to communicate to God, to pour out our hearts to him. Some of the things in there are actually kind of difficult to read and difficult even to imagine ourselves, uh, ourselves praying. We think, no, I, that's not an appropriate thing to pray to God. I can't, I can't say that, right? There's, there's this sense that we feel like our prayers sometimes need to... to uh, follow a certain pattern, or, or that we're only allowed to say certain things. Um, maybe, maybe that's how you feel even as you come into worship. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard someone say this, but uh, that you should leave your troubles and your worries at the door as you come into worship. First of all, I don't know how that's even possible. <laughs> uh, and secondly, that's not the invitation that God extends to us in prayer or in worship. He says, no, come and bring those things. Bring your troubles and your worries and lay them at my feet. Come and bring them to me in prayer, right? Those are part, part of the 150 things that we get to say to God. So as you think about your own prayer life, uh, I, I want you to, to grab the, the, the card that you have, if everyone's got one. Hopefully you've got a pen. If not, borrow one from a neighbor or there's some down here. Or even just, you could just think about this. But do a quick little audit of your prayer life. 
as you think about what it is that you come to God in prayer with, what are the themes that are regularly there? What are the words, the phrases that you often find yourself praying? The ideas that, that most frequently populate your prayers. I won't give you too long to do it, but I'll give another couple of seconds here. Maybe it's helpful to think about what are the situations that you find yourself in when you're most likely to turn to God in prayer. And maybe prayer for you is, is a new thing or an unfamiliar thing. And Well, then that's a quick audit. <laughs> um, I think that all of us probably have our, our defaults, right? Are those things that we default into praying for or, or default into saying in our prayers. And I think that one of the signs of growth in the Christian faith, is an ever-expanding vocabulary in our prayers. Not that our prayers would use like fancier words or anything like that, right? I'm not even sure what a fancy prayer would be, but uh, it's not that we're using the right words uh, or, or lots of words, right? It's, it's that we would be understanding that more and more areas of our life, would we, that we can bring that to God in prayer. That there's an ever-expanding vocabulary we have because there's an ever-expanding areas of our life that we're bringing to God in prayer. Again, coming back uh, to this idea that it's not primarily to inform God about our lives, but to to grow in intimacy with him. Um, Jesus Jesus actually speaks about fancy prayer uh, when he teaches on prayer. And that's our passage this morning. It's going to be Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. It will be on the screen behind me. But as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, we also are going to be taught how to pray. And when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, be our teacher this morning through your word. Let us hear this invitation to prayer as an invitation to intimacy, to knowing you more, to pouring out our hearts before you. Lord, let us hear it not as another obligation, another thing to do on our Christian task list. But let us hear it as an invitation to experience your presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit to experience your love for each one of us. 
Help us, Lord. Amen. So the first thing that Jesus does here is he teaches us how not to pray, right? How not to be fancy prayers. Um, because if we're, if we're approaching prayer in this manner, we're, we're doing one of two things, or maybe both of them together. We're praying first uh, so that others would be impressed with us, right? In which case, we're not really addressing God. We're primarily concerned with what people around us are thinking. The second uh, way not to pray is to think that somehow in our prayers we can earn God's ear. Somehow in our prayers we can say the right things or the right amount of things uh, and that God will, will pay more attention to us. He'll listen more to us. And Jesus says, you've got prayer all wrong if that's how you're doing it. Prayer is about intimacy with God. And the foundation of prayer, the foundation of this intimacy is his love for you. Which means that you can't impress him or earn his ear in any way. He simply loves you and he longs to grow this intimate relationship. He longs to know you. He longs to be known by you. Psalm 62.8 says this, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. For God is a refuge for us. You heard that earlier in the service as we were reading in between the songs. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So this invitation again to pour out our hearts to God, but we can only do that when we know that the relationship that, that is there, this relationship is established in trust, that we have experienced God as this safe haven, as this refuge. When we know that the foundation of our communication with God, the foundation of this intimacy is, is trust, and love, and his safety, then we, we have the freedom to pour out our hearts to him. So no fancy praying, just authentic praying. Uh, I, I spent a little time this week thinking about how I often pray. Did a little prayer audit myself. And I realized that the vast majority of my prayers fall into a very narrow window in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It's basically, give us this day our daily bread and forgive me my sins. That sums up the majority of my prayers, and I would guess that I'm not alone in that, uh, in that prayer audit. I don't know what you wrote down or where you found um, yourself, what, the, the, the regular things that you find yourself praying. But that, for me, was mostly where I find I spend my time. And that's not to feel guilty about the things that we write down. If there's anything we learn today, it's that everything... <laughs> We can take anything to God in prayer, that there's nothing that's off limits for us to bring to him in prayer. But I do think that, uh, that part of my hope for us, and I, and I know for me, is, is that my, my prayer life would grow and expand, that there would be um, every area of my life would be brought to God in prayer. Uh, and this is the value, I think, of what Jesus has laid out for us in this model prayer. Right? The goal isn't that we recite it line by line, that we do that, we do practice that every Sunday when we come together here in prayer. But the goal isn't that we would recite it verbatim. The goal is that as we look at this prayer, we would see just the scope of the things that Jesus invites his disciples to pray for and that we would grow constantly in, our, in the scope of what we ourselves are bringing to God in prayer. Uh, we could spend months dissecting all of the different parts of this prayer, but I just want to kind of divide it in half and look at the first half and the second half. 
The first half is very God-oriented. It's very directed and oriented towards God and towards who he is, what he's like, his kingdom, his will, his character. And even though there's a request in there that, that these things, his kingdom, his, his, his will, and his, his name being hallowed, being revered and taken seriously, there's a request that that would happen on earth as it is in heaven. There's implicit in there just a contemplation and a standing in awe of who God is and an invitation to us to do that, to approach prayer contemplatively reflecting on what is real about God, what is true about God. There's a whole stream of Christian prayer that can teach us and help us to engage in this kind of contemplative prayer. And I'll admit, it's, it's not a part of the tradition that I grew up in. This is something that I've had to learn very slowly. Uh, that my, my prayers tend to be efficient, right? Uh, let's say what we're going to say and let's be done. And that's okay. That's part of our prayer life. But if that's our only the only way that we're approaching God in prayer, I think we've got a, a pretty limited view of God's role in our life. And there are these wonderful saints of the faith uh, who spent their lives just sitting in contemplation of who God was. I have a lot to teach us. St. John of the Cross is one of these, uh, one of these saints. And he calls this kind of prayer, this more contemplative style of prayer, passive loving receptivity. Passive, loving receptivity, right? It's praying, it's, it's leaning towards God. It's longing for God. Being open to God. I, I was thinking about passive, loving receptivity and realizing that much of my prayer is active, anxious, verbal diarrhea. And uh, I have a lot to learn about this kind of prayer. Passive, loving receptivity, contemplating who God is, his character. And I don't know that I can say much more about this other than simply to try it. To try to carve out a few minutes here and there, to sit in contemplation of who God is. Maybe take a line from a song and just let those words kind of stew in your imagination for a few minutes. I... I really wanted to have some time like this this week. I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing to preach on prayer. I, I'm going to carve out some time later in the week to go for a nice long walk. Walking is, is a helpful tool for me as I pray. Uh, there's something about the act of walking that uh, it's enough activity uh, to help focus me, but just allows me to kind of be present in prayer. So I planned a walk for Friday morning. Um, I was going to go into the woods it was going to be beautiful, and then life happened, <laughs> right? And my wife gets sick, and the bus drivers are on strike, so I've got three kids at three different schools at three different times, uh, and I've got a fourth kid who's two and can't be left alone, and my walk on Friday did not happen the way that I planned it. Uh, I took Caleb, our two-year-old, uh, for a walk. I was like, I've got to get out. I've got to do this, right? I made a commitment. I'm going to go and I'm going to contemplate. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I, I put him in the stroller and I go for a walk. And it was really beautiful. Um, I'm walking and I'm, our stroller, it's got like the funny front wheel. 
and I'm just constantly having to like nudge it so that it stays straight. And I found that I was not in much of a contemplative state of mind. And I was like, this is a sermon illustration, right? And the Lord was like, no, it's just life. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, this is what, this is, this is the circumstance in which we find ourselves so often. And Jesus invites us to pray even there, right? These are the, this is the reality for many of us. If in the middle of work, in the middle of parenting, in the middle of our commute, in the middle of our studies, that Jesus is saying, come to me. Don't, don't give me information, but come to me that we might, even in this moment, experience the intimacy, the growing intimacy of our relationship. Come to me with the, the stuff of your work. Come to me with the stuff of your parenting. Come to me with your frustration with the world, that the world is as it is. Not because he doesn't know it, right? I mean, Jesus even teaches that at the beginning of this prayer, that your heavenly Father knows your needs before you even say them. And yet still, he instructs us to pray, to come to God with our needs, with our concerns. Not because God doesn't know, but because he longs for intimacy with us. And there's something about sharing the details of our lives that builds that intimacy, that grows that closeness. The second half of the prayer focuses more on us and our needs, right? Our need for forgiveness. Our need for God to provide for us, for work, for food, shelter, protection from evil. There is not a part of our daily lives that we cannot bring to God. One of the commentaries I was reading uh, talked about this little line, give us this day our daily bread. And I think we often read it and think it's just talking about Provision, right? And whether, whether we think of that for, you know, a paycheck from our work um, or maybe literal bread. But he, he went on to describe that there's so much involved in the receiving of daily bread uh, in terms of, I mean, we're, we're praying for, for fruitful labor, right? For, um, for a government that would oversee, uh, oversee business and labor in a way that it allows everyone to flourish. It allows, uh, the other thing he said was that uh, Christians who have never, not had daily bread, whenever we pray that prayer, it should kind of stick in our throat a little bit, right? Because it brings to mind the people who, who do struggle, for whom daily bread is not a guaranteed thing, the way it is for many of us. And it turns us then towards generosity, right? It's a, it's a prayer for ourselves, which then immediately turns us towards others in need. It's a rich line, full of all kinds of meaning. Even in our work, can we bring the very challenges of our work to God in prayer? Not just the ones that we might consider spiritual, right? Maybe, maybe we think of the relationships of the people that we work with, and certainly we bring those to God in prayer as well. But what about the actual stuff of our work? We have a lot of engineers in this church, which I love, though I fully don't understand all that happens in the life of an engineer. But what? Is it possible that in bringing to God an engineering problem that we come across, like with concrete or something, I don't know, that we, A, rely on the training that we have. We're, 
you know, we're not doing this blindly. We've, you've been trained, and you have gifts, and you have skills, and you should rely on those. But also, what if we brought that to God in prayer? Might we begin to have some sense that God is more present with us than we had thought? That God is working with us as we engineer these buildings safely? Might we actually gain wisdom about how to do our job even better if we bring these problems to God in prayer? The Apostle Paul talks about praying without ceasing, which whenever I read that line, I'm like, I just, I don't even know how to begin, right? Unless you're a monk and your entire life has been built around removing distractions from your life. Uh, When you have kids, when you have work, when you have a commute, when you live in the city, that feels like a challenge. The invitation here is that though there may be some times that we desperately need to get away and pray, and, and we do. We need to carve out time that, that the everyday moments of our lives, working, parenting, whatever, pushing a stroller with a funny wheel, that God is inviting us into this growing intimacy with him to pray, to bring those things before him, whatever it is. I've given you this card, which on one side has the Lord's Prayer, uh, and, and on the other side has a, a, a poem, a prayer poem by John Donne from uh, 19th century, I believe. And the language, it's old English, so the language is a little challenging in parts, but it is a prayer of intimacy. Um, the last line uh, is, is language of, of almost sexual in, intimacy. I mean, it's, this is the kind of closeness that... Uh, that is, that is possible with God, that this prayer, uh, I think, can help, it can help challenge us. It can help expand our vocabulary. So I've given you this just as something to hold on to. And maybe there's a place you might put it this week, um, on a mirror, uh, in your car, next to your computer, um, just as a place to remind you that in, in every moment, God is inviting you to pray, inviting you to in, engage with him. This prayer is often referred to, especially in, in Catholic circles, as the Our Father, right? Sometimes if some, someone says, let's pray the Our Father, they mean the whole of this, uh, or paternoster in, in Latin. But what is meant in saying those two little words is meant to bring to our mind this whole prayer, and, and in fact, the whole gospel story. Dale Bruner uh, has a wonderful reflection on when we say Our Father, what do, we, what do we mean? The hour, the hour in our Father means belonging, mercy, home. In the hour is contained the joy of the whole gospel. We will never be able to calculate the honor that has been done us by being allowed to pray, Our Father. 